Hello and welcome to Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Wattalis and your host. And for the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the past week in Packers, Brewers, sports, and NFL preseason week one. Thank you so much for watching, listening, catching Talking Sports with Evan, however you catch it. I'm pod, anywhere podcasts are found. The show will be podcasted first thing tomorrow morning and posted anywhere podcasts are found. Spotify, um, I, um, you know, Apple, um, Apple for their uh, podcast services, anywhere you can think of the podcast, you're going to find it. I'll be posted tomorrow. But in the meantime, thank you for watching. For those that will be watching the show, I do appreciate it. The Milwaukee Brewers get the victory today over the over the Los Angeles Dodgers, 5-3, to three, to secure a series split over the four-game series against the Dodgers. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the Brewers and why I'm still confident about the Brewers. And no, it's not because I am a water-drinking, Kool-Aid-drinking, goggle-wearing, uh, front-office-supporting um, homer of the team. I have my reasons, and I'm sure after I give my reasons, a few of you will still see it the same way. That's your prerogative. I can't control how you view me and my takes on sports talk. I can't control that, okay? But I'm going to give you my reasoning on why I'm still confident on the Brewers and why I still feel they are a playoff team. Yes, it doesn't look great right now being three games behind the the St. Louis Cardinals, the streaking St. Louis Cardinals, red hot St. Louis Cardinals, uh, just won 13 to nothing today. But I'm going to talk about why I'm still uh, high on the Milwaukee Brewers making the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go into the, the playoffs and win the World Series. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm still confident in the Brewers and the Brewers making the playoffs. And there's a few reasons for that. Also, Packers had their first preseason game against San Francisco uh, last Friday night. I'm going to give my thoughts on that game a little bit. And my thoughts on Jordan Love's performance. Um, also going to go over my my thoughts for every team in the NFL week one of the preseason. I'm going to also discuss that too. But first, I'm going to talk some Milwaukee Brewers. And... For those watching live, if you can comment yes or no, do you think the Milwaukee Brewers are going to make the 2022 MLB playoffs? They currently sit three games behind the St. Louis Cardinals, who are been red hot lately. They are seven and three over their last ten games, where the Brewers sit at ten and uh, five and five over their last ten. They're uh, Split just split the Dodgers, who is the best team in baseball right now, at 81 and 36, 16 and a half game lead in their division. So the Brewers are chasing the Padres right now, a couple games behind the Padres for the final wild card spot, and they're three games behind the Cardinals for the division. And that'll be my question. And Lamont says no, doesn't think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think they're going to. And it has nothing to do with me being a, a homer of the team. I, I just feel this team is ripe to go on a big run. You look at the Brewers, you look at the Cardinals. Head-to-head, 
yes, the Cardinals have a three-game lead right now in the division. The Brewers play the Cardinals four times, four more times this season. Head-to-head, the Cardinals have a one-game advantage over the Brewers. Going into this last weekend series against the Cardinals, where the Cardinals took two out of three in St. Louis, where the Cardinals are one of the best teams at home in baseball this season, that is where the Cardinals took the one-game advantage over the Brewers. The thing with the St. Louis Cardinals, yes, they're 40 and 21 at home. They're 26 and 30 away from Bush Stadium. They're not good on the road. Look at some of the other playoff teams. The Mets are 36 and 23 on the road. The Braves are 33 and 24. The Phillies are 33 and 26. The Brewers sit at 32 and 30. The Dodgers sit at 41 and 21, and the Padres sit at 35 and 30. They have the worst, for all the playoff contention teams, the Cardinals have the worst record away from Bush Stadium. The Brewers are currently three games back with four games to go against the Cardinals. If they can beat the Cardinals in at least three or four or split with the Cardinals, um, the Brewers should be fine. And uh, The Cardinals are very streaky. They've been very streaky all season long, as well as the Brewers. What the division's going to come down to between the Brewers and the Cardinals, who gets hot in the month of September? Who gets hot over the course of the last couple weeks of the regular season? That's what's going to determine who makes the playoffs. And I am still confident about the Brewers. And as crazy as that sounds, they've been as inconsistent as any team offensively, but you got to think eventually at some point guys on the Brewers are going to start consistently hitting their career averages. You know, Andrew McCutcheon had two hits today, two for four, three runs scored, two home runs, got on base all, you know, three times, three of his four times reached base the third time on a passed ball after striking out. You know, you got to think he's going to get hot at some point. Willie Adamas, he was one of the hottest Brewer hitters last season when the Brewers traded for him. He batted over 300, uh, right around 300 with the Brewers. And I'm pulling something up in my phone really quick that popped up on my my Tom Hop today that the Brewers media relations director um, tweeted out. Um, Yeah, he tweeted this out. Uh, last a year ago tonight, another two hits for Adamas. He's batting 300 with 16 home runs and 48 RBIs in 75 games. That's 75 games with the Brewers and 75 games with the Brewers at this point last year. He was hitting the you know what out of the baseball. You got to expect Willie Adamas is going to eventually figure it out at the plate. He's too good of a hitter to just be in this funk the entire year. Colton Wong's finally starting to hit. He's been in a slump recently, but he's starting to hit the baseball. Christian Yelich, who went one for four today, had three hits after going on an 0 for 25 stretch going into the series. He had three hits during the series. He's been playing extremely well at the leadoff spot. He's going to probably heat up again. Hunter Renfro, three for three today with two RBIs and a run scored. He's another guy that can carry this offense. And when this team was sputtering a few weeks back before he came back 
before he came back um, from the in- injured list, he was hitting the you know you know before he went on the injured list, he was starting to hit the hell out of the baseball. When he went on the injured list, that's when the team started to struggle. Um, that's when the team's offense started to sputter. He came off the injured list right out of the All-Star break. The offense was red hot. Since the trade deadline, they haven't been. And then they, they played extremely well, pitching-wise especially, against the Dodgers. The Dodgers have an offense that's extremely dangerous. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncy, Justin Turner, Gavin Lux, Joey Gallo, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger. That is a, a a pretty tough offense to get through. And the Brewers starting pitching held their own against that offense. Yesterday, the Brewers ran into probably one of the best pitchers in baseball, winning his 15th game yesterday, sitting at 15 and one. Today, Corbin Burns goes, uh, he goes five and two thirds giving up six hits and three runs and six strikeouts, had a bit of a hiccup in the sixth inning, couldn't get that final out, gave up a triple um, on his last uh, his, his last batter faced, gave up a triple, and the bullpen did its job. The, the bullpen for the Brewers did its job. Boxberger got the final out. Rogers three up, three down inning. Bush, three up, three down inning. And then uh, Devin Williams strikes out the side. Uh, striking out every batter he faced in the top of the ninth inning. Now what the Brewers need to do is carry momentum, carry that momentum into this weekend against the Cubs. That's what they need to do. They need to carry this momentum going into this series against Chicago, and they should be fine. If they can win two out of three or sweep the Cubs, they'll be fine. Then you get three against the the Dodgers next week. If you can get one out of those three in L.A., I'm fine with that. And then you have the Cubs again next weekend. Take 203 or sweep the Cubs next weekend. You're right back into it. And you got to expect the Cardinals are going to uh, cool off again at some point. They have an easy schedule coming up, but they travel to the West Coast to take on the Diamondbacks. I know they're not a great team, but you know, traveling west uh, is always difficult. Then they in, they're in Chicago for five games. Must have a weather makeup there. Then they're against the Braves for three, uh, three games. So you know the, the the schedule for the Cardinals is easier than what the Brewers are facing right now, but the Brewers. Are, I think they're going to get hot again, and it's all going to come down to who is the hot team coming those last couple weeks of September. And I, I call me a homer, call me what you want, um, but I just think the Brewers come the, uh, later on the season uh, in these next couple weeks. I just think they're going to get hot, and the Cardinals are going to cool off a little bit. And it's going to come down to those four games again that the Brewers have left against the Cardinals. So that's my thought on the Brewers and why I think the Brewers are still playoff bound. Now, once they get in the playoffs, <laughs> I'm not saying they have the horses to get past the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, the Dodgers. I'm not saying that at all. 
but I still think they're a playoff team. I thought they were a playoff team coming into the year, and I think they're a playoff team now. And the pitching staff's getting healthy. Um, the starting rotation's getting healthy. And the Brewers last year with a six-man rotation, at this time last year, um, Freddie Peralta at 16 and uh, the Brewers were 16 and six in games he, he started, 14 and seven with Hauser, 14 and nine with Woody, 13 and eight with Burns, nine and nine with uh, Anderson, and eight and eight with Eric Lauer. That's the Brewers' record last year with those guys starting. The pitching rotation struggled out of the gate between health and just not playing well. Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodworth have been pitching great recently. Eric Lauer's been pitching extremely well. Ashby just needs to pitch better. And Peralta is getting back to full strength. So that's my thought on the Brewers. And now I want to jump to the Green Bay Packers and their first preseason game of the year against the 49ers. And I'm going to premise this with, we didn't really learn anything from the first preseason game. We really didn't. And I think this goes for the uh, NFL in general. If you go to everywhere in the NFL who played a preseason game, uh, two teams have played twice with the, the Hall of Fame game mixed in there. I don't think we learned anything thus far. Packers lost to the 49ers 28 to 21. A couple of things I was impressed with. The Packers offensive line, who's been a Achilles heel in training camp thus far. The Packers offensive line played extremely well. They, they protected Jordan Love. They protected Danny Etling extremely well. And the Packers were able to put 21 points on the board. Tyler Goodson at running back showed a little bit. The undrafted rookie free agent out of Iowa. Dexter Williams, welcome back to Green Bay. Three carries for 29 yards. They designed some quarterback runs for Jordan Love. And the Packers defensive line played extremely well. And Kobe Jones continues to play well. And he's continued to play well in practice this week. So guys like Kobe Jones stepping up and playing well, going to make it a lot harder for a guy like Ty Summers to make this team. Isaiah McDuffie's had a great training camp thus far, played pretty well against the 49ers. Again, going to make it very hard for Ty Summers to make the team. And going to spend a second on Jordan Love. 13 to 24, 176, two touchdowns, three interceptions. When you look at that on the surface, mediocre at best. But when you peel off some layers, Two of the interceptions, you can't really put the blame on him. He hit Tyler Davis right in the hands, put it right where he needed to, gets deflected in the air and intercepted. Um, Romeo Dobbs should have had the second interception. He should have caught that ball, personally. I think he should have caught that. The only one that you can really put truly blame on Jordan Love for making a piss-poor decision was his third interception of the game to Amari Rodgers. He was looking for Amari Rodgers. He was covered well, threw it a little bit behind him over the middle, and it was intercepted by San Francisco. You can definitely put that on him. But with Jordan Love, I saw a quarterback that is more than capable of being the backup quarterback for the 2022 Green Bay Packers. 
that's my expectation on Jordan Love right now. We need him to be a capable backup for the 2022 Green Bay Packers. That's what we need to see from Jordan Love right now. And we would love to see more, but he played perfectly fine. To me, he, he threw a great ball to Romeo Dobbs, threw a really nice ball to Danny Davis, and I think he was fine. Was he special? No. Was he horrible? No. I, I think he was fine. He, he did a fine job. And we'll see if he can build success out of success going into game two of the preseason, which they play the New Orleans Saints tomorrow in Green Bay. We'll see if Jordan Love can build off of his success that he had in game one, if he can build off the success that he's had in practice this week against the Saints. We'll see if he can build off of it for game two of the preseason and see if he can play even better. So, and I did see some rumblings of give the job to Etling. Um, he looked better. Um, he's better than Jordan Love. No, he's not. Danny Etling is a, he is nothing but a practice squad quarterback. He, they need an, another quarterback in camp to play the third and fourth quarters of these preseason games against the 88th and 90th per guys on these teams' rosters. And this year, it's Danny Etling. And last year was Kurt Benkert. This year, it's Etling. Etling, at best, will be on the practice squad for the Green Bay Packers in 2022. That's all he is. He's not the backup quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And like I said, Jordan Love played fine. Disagree with me all you want. That's fine. That's your right. But I felt Jordan Love played fine. And we'll see if he can improve on that in game two. So... That's my thought there. And receivers, apparently Rodgers um, had a meeting with the receivers um, after practice on Tuesday to kind of get in their ear a little bit about what he wants to see from them. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that he's pulling these receivers aside, these young receivers, and saying, hey, this is what I need to see. If you want to see the field, a lot in 2022 and to be successful, we need you Romeo Dobbs and we need you Christian Watson to really step it up. If you want to see the field a lot in 2022, this is what you need to do. This is what I need to see from you. And that's not specifically what he said. I don't know specifically what he said, but that's kind of a quick, um, I guess, summary of what he probably said. And Criticizing the receivers during the week, I think was fine. I know a lot of the media people, especially at the national level, were crying about it. But I think it was fine. He was asked a question and he answered it. Maybe too honestly, but he answered the question. And that's what he he did. He answered the question on what these receivers need to do. What these receivers need to do in order to see the field and improve on. And he then specifically told them, in the Packer meet, meeting room with the receivers and told them what he needed to work on, what they needed to work on. And like I said, I think that's a good thing. Rodgers is being a different kind of leader this year. Maybe it's because of the the LSD-like stuff that he used in Peru or South America, wherever that was. Maybe it's because he's 37, 38 years old and he's mellowed out and he knows that these young guys in the locker room aren't going to learn best by him screaming and yelling and pounding on the uh, the the table 
at them about their, you know, what they're doing or lack of what they're doing. So, and I apologize for the tank top. I just finished my workout, my working out, just got done the workout. I said I was going to be on around eight o'clock. I wanted to get on about eight o'clock. I was already running late. So I didn't take the time to, you know, to throw a quote, more appropriate shirt on. So, and then finally, the, every team has played at least one preseason game. Couple have played two, and there's some games going on today. And these are my thoughts for the week for all 32 teams. And this is something that I'm going to be doing moving forward for every episode that I do when I'm talking NFL. Is I'm going to give my thought of the week for every NFL team. And Arizona, easy. It's hard to get a read on them. They literally had nobody playing in game one. It's hard to get a read on what Arizona is going to be. Um, Atlanta, Desmond Ritter looked the part. I'm not saying he's going to be a starting quarterback this season. Marcus Mariota is supposed to be that guy right now. But the other thing is Marcus Mariota is taking unnecessary hits. He needs to go down. He needs to slide. He needs to go out of bounds. He's taking unnecessary hits that's going to get him hurt. And guess what? He's a quarterback that's dealt with injuries most of his career. And by taking unnecessary hits, guess what? You're going to hurt yourself. But Desmond Ritter did look the part when eventually Mariota Mariota hurts himself. Baltimore Ravens, Tyler Huntley shined. Um, He continues to impress. Lamar Jackson obviously is their starting quarterback, and he deserves to be their starting quarterback. But having Tyler Huntley as your backup quarterback is a very good problem to have because a guy that runs around as much as Lamar Jackson does, you take hits. You might get hurt, as we saw last year with Lamar Jackson. He missed a lot of time due to injury. Huntley had to come in in China, and he did. And an interesting fun fact, the Baltimore Ravens have not lost a preseason game since 2015. I didn't realize that. They haven't lost a preseason game since 2015. Impressive. Buffalo, their defense looked great. Can't really get a look on their offense because, again, a lot of guys didn't play. And their new punter, who goes by the nickname the Punt God, Matt Ariza, boomed an 82-yard punt. He's the punter from, I believe, San Diego State. And wow, did he kick the ball hard and long and far. That's, That's tilting the field. Punting the ball 82 yards is tilting the field, definitely. Carolina Panthers. I think Baker Bayfield said it best. Some good some bad. I I think he's had a best. He had a fumbled snap between him and the center. And maybe as he gets more accustomed to the center, maybe that improves. And then pass protection needs to be better too. Carolina's offensive line wasn't great last year. They drafted in the first round an offensive lineman this year that's supposed to improve the offensive line. They didn't play well in the offensive line in week one of the preseason. For the Chicago Bears, their rookies played well. But their offensive line is still an issue, especially at guard. You're not going to know what kind of quarterback Justin Fields is until you put an offensive line around him and a wide receiver core around him. That's good. The Bears' offensive line isn't good, and the wide receivers are just bad. And I, I, Bear fans, yes, I get it. The Packers' wide receiver room isn't that great either. But the Bears, the... The Bears wide receiver room is very bare, and you're doing a second-year quarterback a disservice by putting him behind 
that offensive line with that wide receiving crew. They got good running backs, but it doesn't matter when your quarterback's going to get sacked 30 times a game. Luke Getze has been varying up the cadences of Justin Fields, forcing teams to jump off sides, which happened a little bit against Kansas City. And Justin Fields needs to be better, too. Cincinnati, lots of mistakes by the young guys. The young players made a lot of mistakes. They got to improve on and That's what preseason's for. It's to get on that field. It's to work out. It's to see what you got and try to improve each and every week and see where you, what you need to improve at. And Kendrick Pryor, former Badger, shout out to him. He played really well. Cleveland, Deshaun Watson played despite being suspended for the first time in 19 months. And personally, Deshaun Watson probably shouldn't have played. He's now has an 11-game suspension put in by the NFL. And it's very strange that the NFL gives him an 11-game suspension. And his first game back is against the Houston Texans. Now, I personally feel he, Deshaun Watson should be suspended for the entire 2022 football season. But I guess 11 games is better than six. So I don't want to hear that he was never convicted of anything. 26 women accused him of being sexually inappropriate with them. 26 women accusing you of being sexually inappropriate. That's a lot. And he settled all, all but, I believe, one of those 26 cases. So there's definitely some weird, creepy stuff that happened. And Jacksonville fans definitely let him have it during the, uh, <laughs> during the, the, the first drive of the game. For Dallas, last year, penalties were a problem. They were the most penalized team in the NFL. In their first preseason game, 17 penalties for 129 yards. And I know one of them was not a should not have been called. It was a bad roughing the passer. I get that. But they need to clean that up. Offensive line struggled. And I remember a couple years ago with Travis Frederick, former Badger center, leading the way. They had one of the top offensive lines in the NFL back in, what, 2017, 2018? And now the offensive line is not very good, and they didn't look very good in their game. But the defensive line played well. In Denver, Randy Gregory is off the pup list, which is good. The defense continues to play well, which is good. And the wide receiver room looks deep, even without Patrick. Rookie Jalen Virgil, had some nice plays in that game. So uh, it looks like Russell Wilson has some some playmakers to get that ball to. Detroit, Amron St. Brown continues to impress. He uh, was drafted late, I think, third, uh, fourth or fifth round in the NFL draft last year. And he's definitely shown that he's extremely talented NFL slot receiver as he's continued to play extremely well every opportunity he has gotten. In Detroit, the offensive line uh, could be scary if they stay healthy. They got a very good offensive line in Detroit. The defense is still bad, but that offensive line, if they stay healthy, it doesn't really matter how bad the defense is because if you can protect that football, you can have long, sustained drives, build off the play action, you can push the ball down the field. Um, I already talked Green Bay. I talked Jordan Love already. But rookies made rookie mistakes. 
Uh, Romeo Dobbs had a couple a drop or two. He wasn't blocking great down the field. And I know, you know, blocking, you're a wide receiver. Why do you got to block? Well, the offensive Packers run. They build everything pretty much off that run. They want to be able to have same formations, same personnel, and they want to show and potentially show that they can they can uh, run or pass out of every formation and personnel grouping they put out there. If Romeo Dobbs can't block, they can't put him out there in the run game. And when then when they put Romeo Dobbs out there, they're tilting, they're tipping their hat that they're going to throw the ball with Romeo Dobbs out there. So he needs to get better at blocking. And I think he should talk to Alan Lazard and get the finer points of wide receiver blocking 101. Defensive back depth is a concern when you get away from their top three. The defensive backs didn't play well on set on uh, Friday, and they got to be better. And Amari Rogers, I think he's due for a second-year jump. He's about 208 pounds. He had a 50-yard kickoff return, had a big touchdown catch in the game. He looks good. He looks healthy. He looks comfortable. He looks decisive. He looks good. And I think Amari Rogers is going to be due for a big second-year jump. Houston, their rookie fourth-round running back. Damian uh, Pierce played extremely well against the Saints. Matt Ryan for the Colts did okay, but they need him to be better than okay. The, the Colts on paper are a Super Bowl team. They got the defense. They got the offensive line. They got the running game. They got the uh, ascending wide receiver core led by Michael Pittman, but they need Matt Ryan to be better. Carson Wentz wasn't good enough. Jacoby Brissett wasn't good enough. They need Matt Ryan to be good enough if the Colts want to make the Super Bowl. And they're, they I'm, they got the talent. They just got to put it together. Travis Eton for Jacksonville sure showed some nice bursts coming back from an ACL injury, and that's good to see as he's very familiar with their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. In Kansas City, running game continues to struggle. They had 11 rushing yards and 10 attempts. And Pat Mahomes looks ready to go. He definitely looks ready to go. I don't think they need to play him the rest of this preseason. The Raiders, big thought. They need to find the right offensive line combo. Um, they they don't have it yet, and they're working on it. And the Chargers didn't really have much about the Chargers to say, except the, the question is, Chase Daniel still plays in the NFL? I, I I didn't think he played anymore. I thought he was retired. I thought he was doing something. He he made a lot of money in the NFL. Now he's enjoying the retired life, but apparently he still plays for the Chargers. Rams. Uh, so the Rams are a team that don't have a lot of draft picks. They don't have any first-round picks for, I think, a couple more years. That's the Matt Stafford trade. They trade away a lot of picks. They get guys that can help right now in order to win the Super Bowl last year, in order to try to win the Super Bowl two years ago, in order to try to get back there this year, the Rams don't draft a lot of people. Well, eventually, especially if the picks they do have, they don't draft well, that's going to catch up to them, and they're going to start struggling because they're not going to have the depth they need to compete in the NFL. So when you have Lance McCutcheon, rookie wide receiver, looked really good, that's important to them. Um, forgot to write something down about Miami. Apparently, I don't really care about Miami. Apologize. Uh, Miami, got to go as far as Tool can take him. He didn't play in game one, but that's going to be, you know, you have a strong defense. You got some skilled guys. 
Got to find out if Tua is, the, Tua is the guy. Vikings, you're going to see a lot of play actions in this offense. And Kellen Mund looks sharp in this offense. Uh, the old coaching staff did not like Kellen Mund at all. But he looked pretty good running this Viking offense. And they may have found a future quarterback when Kirk Cousins is not your guy anymore. One of the biggest questions I have in New England is who the hell is calling the offense? You have Judge. You got Matt Patricia, former defensive coordinator. Who's who's calling the offense for the Patriots? I don't know. I don't think Mac Jones, Matt jo- uh, Mac Jones even know who's calling the plays for him. It varies from se- play, series to series. And the offense, I, I they need to find one guy. They need to find one guy in New England who's calling the plays and go from there. You can't keep having different guys running the offense. You just can't. Tyquan Thornton had a nice touchdown catch. He's trying to show that he's more than a speed guy, and he looked like that on uh, this past weekend. And the injuries are starting to catch up. And Andy Dalton for the Saints looked really good. We'll see what he looks like in Green Bay. The Giants, Daniel Jones looked improved and comfortable running this new offense. Offensive line is getting better. The Jets injuries are a big concern. Zach Wilson out two to four weeks. Uh, they're uh, one of their guys who's supposed to be their uh, starting right tackle. He's out for the season. Injuries are catching up. In Philly, Jalen Hurts played well, completed all six of his throws. Philly's going to go as far as Jalen Hurts does. Jalen Hurts has to show that he can be an NFL quarterback, not just a, a game manager. Jordan Davis and uh, Dean show they belong in the NFL, leading that Philly defense. Steelers, the rookie, the rookies bought out. George Pickens and Kenny Pickett shine. Great job by those guys. San Francisco, Trey Lance was impressive, but he was against the Packers' backup defensive backs. And Danny Gray, rookie third-round pick, wide receiver, looks like a steal early. He had a nice big touchdown catch in the game against Green Bay. A lot of speed there. Seattle. So, Drew Locke looked good, but no quarterback really took hold of the job. And now Drew Locke is out this week because of COVID. Tampa Bay, Kyle Trask played well. Got to wonder if he's going to be able to steal that number two job away from uh, whoever, I think it's Blaine Gabbert or whoever they have in Tampa. And when's Tom Brady coming back? He's on a break right now, and who knows when he's coming back. Uh, Malik Willis, the co- a quote from Ver- uh, Vrabel that stands out, wanted him to throw the ball, and he wasn't. So that's why he uh, took him out, and he needs to throw when guys are open. He took off and ran too many unplanned runs. He needs to run the offense and throw the ball to the open guys. And Washington Commanders, Carson Wentz looked good. But that's kind of been Carson Wentz's MO. He hasn't looked special. He had a stretch run before he tore his ACL back in the Eagles Super Bowl winning year where he looked special. He had a run where he was potentially going to be the MVP. But he doesn't look he he doesn't hasn't looked special since. So those are my thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at Evan with Sports. Find this where any podcasts are found, Talking Sports with Evan. You can email me, TalkingSportsWithEvan at gmail.com, or find me on Facebook at Talking Sports with Evan. Like the page and check it out every week. I will be back at you at uh, back with you all next week. I'm going to shoot for Tuesday. Life happens. We'll see. But Tuesday is the plan. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a good weekend. I will talk to you all later.